Okay, we're learning the Maimer, the Chesedic Discourse, Al-Kain Karu. Al-Kain Karu are words from the Megillah. Therefore, they called. They called what? They called these days Purim. In honor of the Pur, which is the Geirol, which is the lottery. Very good. This is a Maimer that the Rebbe said, Purim Tavshin Yud Gimel. 1953. 1953. Very good. Thank you. Okay. And we covered last week chapters 1 and 2. If you didn't see chapters 1 and 2, you could go watch the replay on soulwords.org or on YouTube or on Tor anytime or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Um, maybe even more places. Maybe there's a bootleg version floating around as well somewhere. Oh. Unauthorized. Okay. <laughs> At any rate, just to review the first two chapters. We asked why we named the, the Yamtuf after the instrument of destruction or the attempted instrument of destruction. In other words, the lottery was part of Haman's method or his attempted method to eradicate the Jews, God forbid. So why are we commemorating that? Even though I know it all turned out well, but still, that was not a happy part of the story. Then we got into this concept, which is a Hasidic concept, that uh, it goes back to the Alter Rebbe in Torah, that Yem HaKippurim, which is the biblical name for Yem Kippur, or some people call it Yom Kippur, um, is Yem HaKippurim. You know what that prefix, Chof, means, the Chof HaDimyan. It indicates like or as comparison. So Yem Ha Ki Purim, the day that is Purim-esque, Purim-like. And we said there are two major similarities between Purim and Yem Kippur. One is they both involve a lottery. Purim's lottery, well we just mentioned it. Yem Kippur's lottery, Selecting which goat will be the scapegoat and which one will be the sin offering. And they both are higher than, or what we call Lifnei Havaya. Havaya is Yudke Vovke, the four-letter name, the tetragrammaton for those who like, uh, I don't know, Sancino terminology. That's how I call it, Sancino terminology. Um, or Kabbalah with a Q. The four-letter ineffable name, Yudke Vovke, which as we explained last week, is a map of all reality. It is a map of the four worlds, four letters, four worlds. And when we say Lifnei Havaya, higher than Havaya, what we mean is prior to the system of worlds that has been put in place. Something that is off the charts, so to speak. And we said that both Yim Kippur and Purim are higher than the system of reality that is described by Hashem's name. Purim in the sense that Hashem's name is not mentioned in the Megillah. And all the miracles are hidden miracles. God is hidden in the story. So it's like higher than his name. Higher than he can be identified or called out with a label. And um, Yim Kippur says very clearly that you will be purified before Hashem, which can mean in front of Lifnei Hashem, but it also, like we said, means Lifnei, before, prior to, meaning on a higher level than uh, the regular system. Okay, that's what we learned last week. If anyone was here last week, and if you weren't here last week, then don't worry, you're, you're great. 
If you were here last week and I said anything that confused you and you're like, well, that's not what I remember from last week, here's your chance to clarify. Otherwise, I want to move forward with chapter three. We're all good. Okay. Chapter three. Vehine Yadua. By the way, if you need the text, the PDF, could somebody do a favor? I don't know how to, I don't really run the WhatsApp group that this class uh, gets notices or notifications from, but there was a PDF that went out, and if anyone needs it, just whisper to somebody next to you who has it on their phone, because there is a PDF floating around of this text, if you want it, okay? All right. Or you should you should really be on the list. Yeah, Khani uh, Wallok has the list for the bro- uh, the broadcast list for this class. But if you need the PDF like right now, just look to somebody who has one on their phone and say, "Could you text that to me?" Okay. Now, previously we had said that a lottery is higher than seichel, higher than intellect. And we had explained that that's what it means that a lottery, oh, I should have explained when I did my review, that those two things that Yim Kippur and Purim have in common, those two things are really one thing. Because, yeah, it's the really one thing, because the idea of going higher than Havaya is the idea of, of lottery, because a lottery is... The highest level within the system is Chochmah. Chochmah is the highest sphere Within the Koychus HaNefesh, within the, the, the anthropomorphic, or not even anthropomorphic, within the person. The person is created in God's image. See chapter 3 of Tanya where it explains that the ten soul powers are a mirror image of the ten spheres of the godly emanations. At any rate, in a person you see the same thing. That the first, the beginning of any phase of, of creativity is Chochmah, is the initial flash of inspiration in the mind. And then from there it goes into emotions and then eventually into execution and then, then it becomes expressed outside of the person. And so too, in the worlds, the highest level is Chochmah. So intellect. Chochmah means wisdom, intellect. Intellect is the highest level. So when we say something's higher, and the, the Yud, the letter Yud of Yud Kevavke is Chochmah. That's why it's a little dot. A yud is a little dot. Chochmah is a little dot because it's like a little kernel of intuition. Then it has to be expanded within the hay, which is bina. Okay. So the highest level is chochmah. So when we say that the lottery is higher than the name Hashem, what we're meaning is it's higher than chochmah or seichel. So I already used two Hebrew words in one sentence, but let's just call it intellect. Higher than intellect. So now here in chapter 3 he says, I got, I got news for you. What? I don't understand why Chochmah is the highest level. Why is Chochmah the highest level? Because that's the beginning. Because that's the beginning. Highest means beginning. Highest means beginning. So forget the word highest because you're thinking too much in terms of uh, what you like. I'm just talking about there's a fact. That when any process ensues, it has to begin with Chochmah. Got it. Okay. It's, it is square one. Always. Okay. Yeah. Is that what the Rambam is referring to when he speaks about like connecting to Hashem with our intellect? Like, Are you speaking about in Meir Nevochem when, when the Rambam says that the highest attribute of the human being is the intellect? Yes, yes. So the highest level within the system is intellect. Okay, all right. So now chapter 3 starts and says, I'm just going to back up to the beginning of chapter 3 again. Now, 
It is known regarding the lottery. Oh, so let me just make it, I'm, I'm not saying it explicitly enough. So we said in chapter two that when you make a lottery, basically what you're doing is you are setting aside Seichel and you're saying, I'm going to allow the randomness to supplant my Seichel. I'm not going to make a choice based on pros and cons lists. I'm going to allow the randomness to select. So we said that Gödel, the idea of a lottery, is higher than Seichel, which is why it's higher than the system, because the highest level in the system is Seichel, is intellect. Okay. Chapter 3. He says, now I'm going to up the ante. Now, it is known regarding a lottery, that not only is it higher than intellect, but even higher than Rotzein, Rotzein is will, which in turn is higher than Seichel. <coughs> we said that Seichel, or Chochmah, intellect, is the highest phase in the system. But there is pre-system. We call it spherotically Kesser, the crown, which makes sense because a crown goes on the head. So that crown is not the highest part of a person, it goes higher than the highest part of the person. Kesser is rotzain, is will. Why? Because will is higher than seichel, than intellect. Because will drives the intellect. That's the concept of bias, that as you are inclined, so you will intellectually be Directed. Will is higher <clears throat> than Seichel. So Seichel is the highest level. Intellect is the highest level in this system. But Rotzin, Kesser, Will is outside of this system. That's why we also sometimes refer to it as a Makif, as an encompassing force. That's why it's so powerful, its effect, because it's not contained in any one particular faculty. It encompasses all faculties. It consumes the person. It is the driving force behind everything, including the intellect. So, what we're saying here is that the, the lottery, we, yes, we, we, we defined lottery last week as higher than Seichel. Because when you make the choice to use a lottery as a way of choosing, you are setting aside your seichel. You're saying, I'm not going to make an intellectual choice. I'm not writing my pros and cons list. I'm going to allow the lottery to do the choosing. True. He says, however, there's something even more that's happening here. Going to continue. Shaharei. Kishaodom matel goiro. When a person casts a lot, <coughs> Who machlet he decides, that however the lottery comes out, that's what he wants. In other words, not only is he deferring his intellect to be in accordance with the, with the lottery, he's allowing the lottery to supplant his intellect, 
but even his will, because he's saying, what, I, what do I want? Whatever the girdle tells me, that's what I want. So we're saying girdle, lottery, is higher than we thought. We thought it was just higher than the system, because it's higher than intellect. No, it's actually higher than higher than the system, because it's higher than will, which is above the system. Rabbi Yeah. Is it assumed that the Ratzon is the Ratzon of Hashem? Obviously, we're interested in the Ratzon of Hashem, but that's not what we're talking about right now. Right now, we're speaking in metaphors. Why? Because it's supposedly easier. So, while as long as we're talking about the metaphor, I'd advise you to just stay focused on the metaphor because that's the easy part. We're going to shift very soon, with Hashem's help, to understanding this in terms of Hashem. But right now, just think about it as a story about a guy. There was a guy, and he didn't know if he wanted this apple or that apple. And they were identical apples. It wasn't like one was a um, nasty, what do they call uh, Red delicious, which are the opposite of delicious. They taste like paper, and they're pulpy, and they crumble, and they're awful. And then the other one was a pink lady. Because that's, that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about um, a choice. We said last week, a choice means a real choice. Bechira is when there's really no reason to choose one over the other. So let's say there were two apples. They were both the same species, same size, same level of ripeness. And he said, you know what? There's no way intellectually to come to a decision here. I'm going to make a lottery to choose which apple to eat. So last week we understood that that meant he was setting aside his intellect and he was just not making an intellectual choice. This week we're saying, in fact, there's something even deeper going on here. He's also setting aside his will. When you choose something randomly, you have an app which is a random apple selector generator app. Just making that up. You are not only setting aside your intellect, as we understood last week, you are setting aside your will. Now we understand that the lottery is reaching a higher level than rotzain, than will, than my will. Sholochin horotzin hu kifi because you're allowing your desire, your will, to be dictated by the lottery. Now we're going to talk about, lamaila means above, that means regarding Hashem. Okay, now we're moving from the mashal to the nimshal. Now it does get trickier. So just, if you're not buckled in, buckle up now. The idea of lottery is the idea of bal which is higher than rotzain. What is bal and What is rotzain? Well, bal literally means the one who has the will. Bal can mean the possessor, the one who has something. It also can mean the master, right? Like a Baal Habayis is someone who's a homeowner. He has a house. Master of the house. Baal Horotzein is the one who has the will. 
So there's a level called Rotzain, will, and there's an even higher level called the Baal HaRotzain, the one who has the will. These are levels of godliness. Meaning Rotzain is a level of Elokos, of godliness, which is God's will. Baal HaRotzain is Hashem as he is above his own will. In other words, he can will whatever he wants to will. Well, it's Hashem's essence. It is who He is. He can choose to want whatever He chooses to want. That sounds different than above what He wants. Well, well, we're going to talk about that. What does that look like above what He wants? Are there preferences up there? That you're heading in the right direction. You need to just wait it out for five more minutes because you are heading, heading in the right direction. Yeah, you're, what you're wondering about is exactly where we're going. Yes, yes, okay. Valpisa yesh According to this we can say, and when the Rebbe says yesh you might be able to say the Rebbe is humbly suggesting his own novel interpretation, which basically means newsflash, the Rebbe is revealing something new that wasn't explicitly known before. Everything that Rebbe is teaching us is based on his predecessor's teachings, and there are thorough footnotes of the sources. But when the Rebbe says, and perhaps we can say, the Rebbe is revealing a new take, a new angle. Okay. So according to this, we could say, The connection between the two Um, properties of Purim and Yim Kippur, which make them similar, and he says in parentheses what they are. Shibishneim who in Yin that they both have a concept of a lottery. and that they're both considered higher than the name Hashem. He's just repeating. He's just repeating what. Oh, those two things are, are well, I, don't call redundant, call it synonymous. We explained how they're synonymous. They're really. He's just reminding you, he's reminding you what the concepts were. Who, now that I was revealing a new depth of appreciation of this idea, The beginning of Shemavaya really is not the Yud, but the thorn on the Yud. If you look at the calligraphy, how a Yud is written, there's a little, boom, a little, it's called a thorn. It's a little thorn. It's a little, yeah, a little pompadour. It's like a little boop. <laughs> yeah. And that, if Yud, I, I, you remember 10 minutes ago I said that Yud corresponds to Chochmah because Chochmah is like that little glimmer, that kernel, that seed of thought, that tiny little flash of insight that needs to be developed in, in the higher hay, which is Bina, which is the womb, which is the mother. And then it's drawn down through the vav, which is a pipeline. It's shaped like a pipeline. Those are the emotions. And then it's expanded again in the lower hay, which is malchus. Okay. So if yud is chachma, which is intellect, which is the highest level in the system, the little boop, that's the proper technical term, Kabbalistically, by the way, is boop. <laughs> that, the onomatopoetic way of saying the vav is, by the way, is zhoop. And I've told you guys that before. Who was with me when I taught you that? The vav is... Anyways, 
because it goes zoop, it's a pipeline. Anyways, the thorn on top of the yod is boop. That thorn on top of the yod, which is called kutsei um, shal yod, which literally means the thorn on top of the yod, is rotzain. Yeah. It's like a little arrow pointing up, implying that there's more above the system. So when we say that Purim and Yom Kippur are higher than Hashem, we mean not only the explicit four levels indicated by the four letters, but even the implied fifth level, the level of Kesser, of Rotzein, of will, which is implied by the little thorn on top of the Yud. And that Purim and Yom Kippur are higher than that as well. They are higher than Ratzain. What's higher than Ratzain? You all know. You learned it five minutes ago. Hmm? What's higher than Ratzain? What's higher than Hashem's Ratzain? Baal HaRatzain, which means Hashem as He is the one who is the master of His own will. So it's not Hashem's will, but Hashem who has a will. And that Purim and Yom Kippur are both higher than that. Higher than Rotzing, meaning on the level of Balorotzing. They're both on the level of Balorotzing. Shereimez al Harotzing Shalamaylam Echochma, that little boop on top of the Yud hints to the Rotzing, which is higher than Chochma. And this is what it means that Yim Kippur and Purim are both higher than Havaya. Both higher than the little thorn on top of the Yud. In other words, what happens spiritually, energetically on both of those days, they are both days in which the level of Baal Horotzin is revealed, which is Inyin Hagoidol, the idea of a lottery. Hence, they both literally have lotteries. But the lotteries are manifestations down here of the essential spiritual concepts which are shared by both days, which is they are both connected to the true level of lottery, which is not just higher than Seichel, it's even higher than Rotzain. It is Baal Harotzain. Now, how does that manifest itself? The Rebbe will explain that. We'll explain that. But I just want to make sure you're following what we said. Okay. Yeah. If Rotzin is Kesser, then Baal HaRotzin is what? Great question. If Rotzin is Kesser already, then what's Baal HaRotzin? It's higher than Kesser. Yeah. Baal HaKesser. Baal HaKesser, yeah. I've never heard anyone use that term, but technically it's correct. Yeah. It's the essence. It's the essence. It is what Hashem is. And we're going to speak more about that. Okay. Chapter 4. Is it like the Lee Simpson? Well, you're getting very fancy now. And you're asking a very, very good question. You want to know if this is before Simpson. And the answer is, well, that's a relative term, before Simpson. Before which Simpson? How before Simpson? Because I can call Rotzain higher than Tzimtzum. I can say Tzimtzum begins with, with Chochmah, and that's why it's a little dot, because it's symbolic of that compression. And I can say Rotzain is higher than Tzimtzum. But, I would tell you, that Balorotzin is even higher than higher than before Tzimtzum. 
It's a relative term. There's not, it's not binary that either it's within the system or higher than the system. We're, talking, we're charting levels of higher than system, which is kind of crazy if you think about it, but that's what we are, we're doing. Well, it's fractals repeating in cycles, but right now we're talking about the entirety of Seder Stauslis. So, like above that whole system. Above the whole system, yeah, yeah. Above the entirety of the entire system. Although, if you would look at it in microcosm, then you could see this pattern repeat itself on tiny levels as well, which is why initially when we were speaking about it as a metaphor, we spoke about how it appears in a person, because in the microcosm of a person, it repeats that pattern as well. But right now we're talking about on the grand scheme, like the, the ultimate reality here. Okay. Chapter 4? Chapter 4. I don't know if we already did it last time, so I shouldn't ask, but when do we enter the state of lottery? Like when does this happen? Or when is this happening? On Purim. Or Yom Kippur. On the days. No, that's it. That's it. That's when it happens. Okay. That's why we're learning the Mimer now, so we're ready for it. Because it's going to come soon. We want to make sure that we're ready. Okay. Chapter 4. Now we could explain the two meanings of the name Yemekipurim. We learned such deep chassid, this, this, this simple question that a five-year-old can answer is going to become difficult. So we need to go back to the simplicity of a five-year-old. What's the actual, real, literal, simple meaning of the words Yem HaKippurim? Don't be fancy. Just be a simple, what, what would a five-year-old tell Yem HaKippurim is what? Day of Atonement. Perfect. Then we learned a fancy, deep spiritual meaning. Yem HaKippurim is Yem HaKippurim. The Purim-like day. Okay. We're going to connect those two concepts. They are connected. Everything's connected. Okay, so according to this, we're going to understand the connection between the two names of Yim Kippur. That on this day, all negative things are atoned for, which is the literal meaning of Kippurim, atonement. And the second definition that this day is Purim like. That like we said before, that on Purim, or that on Yom Kippur, there is a lottery, which is similar to Purim, which is a lottery. How are those two things connected? Atonement and lottery. That the complete atonement... Who? For all the things that were done that were against Torah and Mitzvahs. How does it work? When the relationship with God is to the level that is called Baal Harotzin. Which is higher than the rots and the will for Torah and Mitzvahs. In other words, Put it very simply. Hashem has a rotzen. He has a will. 613 commandments. This is what he wants. He made it very clear. 248 things that I want you to do. 365 I want you to not do. This is my will. I have spoken. I made my will clear. 
then we go and we don't do his will. Well, according to that, if that's the highest level you can go, I'm sorry, what can I do for you? You were told the will, you violated the will. What else do you want? You had a chance to do the will, you didn't do the will. We're done. The fact that there's recourse, and then I can come back to Hashem and say, is there anything more you can do for me? What do you mean more? More than Ratzin? What do you, what do you want? <sighs> can I talk to the Balo Ratzin? Can I speak to your manager? <laughs> In other words, within Hashem himself, there's the level called Ratzin, where this is what I want, and this is what you need to do. Torah and mitzvahs. Then there's the level where Hashem says, yeah, but I'm the one who decided that. And just like I'm the one who decided that I wanted you to do this mitzvah, I can decide to forgive you when you don't do it. No one else can decide. No one else can come along and say, it's okay, Hashem doesn't mind. What do you mean he doesn't mind? He says he did mind. He said clearly he doesn't want you to do that, and you did it. But when the Balorotzin, Hashem himself, says, you know what? It's my Rotzin. And I can say, I forgive you. So how does Yem HaKippurim work literally as a, do- a day of atonement? It goes to a level of Balorotzin, which we now know is a level of Geirol, of lottery, which is Purim. Purim is pur. Pur is Geirol. So that's why Yem HaKippurim, day of atonement, and Yem HaKippurim, the day that is Purim-like, it's really saying the same thing. It's synonymous. How does atonement work? How does atonement even work? It works because Hashem doesn't just have a will for you to do Torah mitzvahs, but Hashem is the Balorot saying, and He is higher than His own will, and therefore can forgive you and atone anything you did to violate His will. That sounds intentional, not lottery-like. <coughs> We're talking about the fact that Hashem is not compelled even by his own will. (coughs) What we're talking about is getting to the essence of what Hashem is. And that Torah mitzvahs are an extremely high relationship, and yet (coughs) the fact that there's a possibility for Teshuvah and Kapara show that the relationship is even higher than his will for Torah and mitzvahs. In other words, his connection to you is higher than this is what I want, this is what I don't want. That's what we're exploring here. Yeah. Are we supposed to be like that? I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But <laughs> if I had two hours to teach every class, I would get, go and have a sidebar about that. I don't know. Right now, I just want everyone to be able to follow this thread. We just explained that lottery is not only higher than rotzin, it is not only higher than intellect. It, we just explained that lottery is not only higher than chokhmah, and therefore on the level of Rotzin, which is higher than Chochmah, but it's actually higher than Rotzin as well. It's the level of Bala Rotzin. Then we explained that that one concept is behind both names of Yeme Kippurim, or both meanings of the name Yeme Kippurim. 
Why is it a Yom Kippurim, a Day of Atonement? Because it is a Yom Kippurim, like Purim, meaning it's a lottery day, lottery meaning the level of Hashem, where He can decide whatever He wants for no reason, nothing compels Him. And he can decide, you know what? I really, really want you to, you to do these mitzvahs. And I wasn't joking around when I said I want you to do it. And yet, Hashem can say, and, I'm, and I'm, I get to say that I'm taking you back, even though you didn't do what I wanted. I think mean, that's unconditional love. You could call it unconditional love, yeah. I mean, Torah also comes before creation. So you're saying Tshuva comes before creation. But what we're saying here is Tshuva comes before Torah. I only want to answer questions that are impediments to you understanding what we're talking about here, not interesting things that you're thinking of that are related to what we're talking about here. Okay, I'll be the judge. Yes. Um. <laughs> So, are, are we saying that in um, Purim there's no tefillah, teshuva, and tzedakah? It's just on Yom Kippur? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Purim. Yeah. Okay, so just uh, for clarity-wise, the spiritual purpose of the concept of lottery and the randomness is for us to understand God's ability to let go of Rahman will and make the up of atonement. That's the point. Yes, you got it. You're correct. Okay. Can you repeat that, please? Okay, that we're understanding the idea of lottery so that we can understand Hashem as He is not only higher than the system of the worlds which begins with intellect, but He is also even higher than will, which is higher than the system of the worlds. And that's how He's able to decide to forgive us. Anyim hakipurim. Okay. And this is the connection between the two concepts of Yem Kippur. That one aspect is that Yem Kippur is Purim-like because it has a lottery. Meaning to say that lottery is an indication that Yim Kippur is tapping into the level of Hashem, which is lottery-like, which we call Balorotzein. Dugma Sam Dipurim, which is similar to what happened on Purim, where there was an actual lottery as well. And that is actually the explanation of how the literal mechanics of atonement work. How do you think atonement works? Which is what allows Hashem to forgive us. And now we can see also how the atonement of Purim is higher than the atonement of Yom Kippur. You were asking a question about how do we do this on Purim? On Yom Kippur, it's very famous. We all know about the atonement that happens on Yom Kippur. That's famous. What about the atonement on Purim? He says, yeah, there's atonement on Purim. And in fact, it's a higher level of atonement on Purim than on Yom Kippur, which is indeed why Yom Kippur is called Purim-like. Purim. So the level of atonement on Purim is higher than the level of atonement on Yom Kippur. 
the yema kipurim einim echaper ela imachova. That yem kipper only works if you do chova. If you do chova, the door is open, and Hashem can atone. But you have to actually do chova. On Purim, you don't do chova. Purim is celebrated as a feast. Where's, where's the chova? Furthermore, Because the concept of the Balorotin, which is the lottery, which is the name Purim, who bimei ha Purim is is what is intrinsic to Purim. The name, after all, is Purim. The name Purim itself is indicative of this level. Therefore, the atonement that happened on Purim was unlimited. It didn't have the same limitations as the atonement of Yom Kippur. We said, first of all, you have to do tshuva on Yom Kippur for it to work. And on Purim, you just feast. But furthermore, the Rebbe explains this in a footnote here, that... Yim Kippur doesn't atone for everything. There are sins which incur, God forbid, Kodes and Misa, very grave punishments. And Yim Kippur doesn't atone for those. Purim, the entire Jewish nation, was guilty of the biggest Chil Hashem, of going and participating in the feast of Achashvedish, where he was disgracing the vessels of the Beis HaMikdash, which he had taken from the plunder of, of Jerusalem. And the Jewish people participating in that was a chil Hashem Berabim, a public desecration of the name, the biggest sin there could be. And yet, Purim atones for that. Yom Kippur has limitations what it can atone for. Purim does not. The Yem HaKippurim, who Kippurim? That's what we mean when we say that Yem HaKippurim is only Purim-like. It approaches Purim. Just comparatively. But Yim Kippur requires Tshuva to go with it. Purim does not. So now we've just explained that we're talking about atonement as our relationship with Hashem, who is the Balorotin himself, that that happens on Yim Kippur. In fact, that's how the atonement on Yim Kippur takes place. It also happens on Purim, and in fact, more so on Purim than Yom Kippur. So why do we know about this? Because you didn't learn this mimer yet. Now you're going to say, why isn't this the most famous expert? Yeah. Well, bring a friend to next week's class. We're trying to spread chassidus to the whole world over here. Okay, I want to keep moving. I want to keep moving. I want to do chapter five. So why is the name in the Megillah? Yeah. Did, was it something that they did at that time to create this opportunity? And is this an opportunity we can create, or it's just a gift? <sighs> You're asking a very good question, which he deals with in chapter 9. Okay. Everyone's very impressed that your questions are questions that come up later. Um, it's just, look, 
these teachings are very logical, even though on one hand they're revealing intense concepts, there is a very logical progression. So it actually doesn't surprise me that you would ask a question that will eventually be dealt with. In chapter 9, we're going to deal with the concept, well, what about all the Mesidus Nefesh? Like for a whole year, they were living with the threat of extermination and they, they had such Mesidus Nefesh. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what triggered it. And in fact, yeah, then the whole thing really is just a reciprocation. I mean, you do this, then you get that. And the way that Eb is explaining right now, it, it sort of sounds like, no, this is essential to the day. Okay, so that will be explained later. But right, right now, what the, the, the assertion that we're making, and we're going to continue with that, and that this is the conclusion, it is essential to the day. That's what Purim is. That's what it is. Top down. It, it, Hashem made it this way, okay. and, 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 and that's it. And that's why it is that way. Because that's who Hashem is. Okay? Is this part of the perhaps Chiddush that he's saying? Is this, that concept or that Yes, this is part of the Chiddush, yes. yes. The, in, in other words, the Mimer is built on teachings of the Alt Rebbe, but the Rebbe is exposing deeper concepts here. What time is it? 53. I want to do chapter 5. I have a burning desire to do chapter 5. Chapter 5. Now we need to understand. Now we have a question. Surprised nobody here asked it yet. Now, according to what we just explained, which makes so much sense, it's just so logical, it's so clear now, now that you tell me, that through the lottery, we connect to a level of Hashem, which is not only above intellect, but above will. And that brings about, as a result, atonement for any violation of Hashem's will. So if that's the case, what was Homan's understanding of this? After all, he was trying to persecute the Jews. To cast a lottery, which is what we just explained. What's a lottery? A lottery is an instrument, ultimately, of atonement. It works out well for us. Lottery works out well for us. In other words, when I come to Hashem, and I know that if He looks at me from a level of intellect, I'm in trouble. If He makes His pros and cons list about me, it's not going to come out well. And even if I come to Hashem on a, an, on a level where He's treating me higher than intellect, He's treating me from the level of will, He's going to look at His will, as expressed in Torah, and he's going to say, but, but you didn't do my will, and I'm not going to be in a good place. But if I can connect to Hashem as he is the Balorot, and he's above his will, he can do anything he wants, and he can say, sweetheart, I love you, but, but, but I, I did all these things that you didn't want me to do. It's okay. So I understand now that Geirol, that lottery, is this incredible level of connect, connecting to Hashem when Seichel doesn't dictate that I should be able to connect, even Rotzain doesn't dictate that I should be able to connect, but Hashem is higher than, than all of that, and I can still connect. Why would Haman tap into that? That's like the opposite of what he was trying to accomplish. Because he didn't know. Same reason, that we think we're going to be fortunate. Okay, let's find out. Let's find out. Let's find out. 
גם צורך להבין מה שכוסף על כן קראו ליום נוהי לפורים על שם הפור. We also have to understand why does the Megillah say, therefore they call the days פורים after the lottery, הפור, with a ה' הידיעה. The hapur behe yidiyah, that hapur means the lottery, not a lottery. Meaning the general concept of lottery as explained in Chassidus. But the lottery. Koi al hapur shenemar lifneza. We're talking about the specific lottery that was referred to earlier in the Megillah. Hainu hapur shehipul homin. Homin's lottery. Not the Chassidic concept of lotteries, but the, the homin lottery. Varei hapur shehipul homin hoya inyan biltirotsui. Haman's lottery was, was an undesirable thing. Why would we name the, the Yom Tov after Hapur? In other words, you could say we call it Purim because of the general concept of lottery. But it doesn't say, it says because of Hapur, this lottery, Haman's lottery. So we want to understand, first of all, what was Haman doing messing around with lotteries when we know that they're good for us and he's trying to do something bad for us, to us. Second of all, why are we even saying, and we're commemorating the lottery, Haman's lottery. Haman's lottery was an attempted instrument of destruction. Even though you, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, you just explained to me the general concept of lottery. It's beautiful. But the Megillah says, the lottery, meaning the evil lottery. The lottery that was trying, that was supposed to be used to hurt us. Nekudus habir But here is the, the core of the explanation. And you're going to ask me, did Haman understand all of this? And I'm going to say to you, maybe. He was an evil genius. He wasn't a dummy. He was very spiritual. In a, in a wicked way. Wickedly spiritual. So perhaps he understood all of this. Or perhaps his mazel, his spiritual source above, understood this. And it was just sort of driving him. And he had his own narrative, if you would have asked him why he's doing this. But... Either way, if you want to understand Haman's position, why he would employ lottery, when we just explain how awesome lottery is and why he would try to use it against us, here's the explanation. That if you're talking about levels within Hishtalshus, we said Hishtalshus is the chain-like descent, the system of worlds, the four worlds, the four letters of the name, what we call the system. Within the system, the deeds of the lower beings have significance. Meaning, in the system, what we do matters. Therefore, the main hashpa, meaning the main allotment of Hashem's attention, resources, energy, is for the Jewish people. Why? Because the Jews are the ones who are doing the Torah mitzvahs. So since within Ishtalshlis, within the system of reality, our deeds matter. So the Jews are doing these deeds, the Torah and the mitzvahs, which matter. So obviously my, my worker who is doing the more important work is going to get compensated accordingly. That's just how it works. And Haman understood that. In other words, he understood that the Jews are not just like any other people that can be removed. They have a very special position in the world. And to get rid of them, 
you're really going to have to, um, well, basically he was finding it insurmountable. Like, how is he going to do it? Somehow Hashem always finds a reason in the end to say he needs to keep the Jews around. Haman understood that even though Haman was so many thousands of years ago, so think about how much less history Haman had to look back on than we have to look back on, but even from Haman's point of view, even the history that was by, behind him, he understood the pattern that ultimately God keeps the Jews around. Why? Because they're doing mitzvahs. And how do you compete with that? And you're going to ask your questions, the Rebbe is ahead of you. Even those who are the opposite of tzaddikim, the Jews who are not tzaddikim, they're full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate. Right? It says that Famously, the Talmud says that even the wanton sinners of Israel are full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate is full of seeds. It's a famous story about the Chassid who was once speaking to the Rebbe Chassid from another Hasidic group. And um, he told the Rebbe that his Rebbe had asked a question. If they are Pasha um, Yisrael, if they are wanton sinners, then how can the Talmud claim that they're full of mitzvahs? How can they be full of mitzvahs? They're, they're sinners. And the Rebbe smiled and said, you know, I also have a question on that same passage in the Talmud, which is, if they're full of mitzvahs, then how can we refer to them as sinners? Meaning the opposite question. But at any rate, there is such a concept that even the wanton sinners of Israel are full of mitzvahs, like a pomegranate. Maybe even in spite of themselves, they don't even realize how many mitzvahs they're doing. And Haman just knew he can't compete with that. There's a verse where we say, Look down, we're speaking to Hashem in second person, so we're speaking to Hashem directly. Look down from your holy abode, from Shemayim, from heavens, from the heavens, and bless your people, the Jews. Shemetzad is Shemayim, Shemayim means heavens, which is also Shemayim hu Shemayim, there is Mayim, there is water. Umayim hu Chachma, water is Chachma. I'm not going to break up the flow here to explain why water is symbolic of Chachma. And we explained already, Chochmah is the beginning of Ishtalshlis, it's the highest level. So what we're saying is, from the highest level within the system, look down and bless your people. And Amcha also, the Medrash tells us, is how we refer to the Jewish people um, when they're not in their uh, best situation. Amcha means the people, it really has a connotation of like the rabble, the masses. So even the Jewish people, when they're not so ayayay, we're saying Hashem looks down at them from the perspective of Shom Mayim, there is water, from the perspective of the system, says, look, here's a system. The Jewish people were given all these mitzvahs to do, they're doing their mitzvahs, even the ones who don't do mitzvahs very well are still doing mitzvahs. I got to keep them around, and it just, that's, that's what the system dictates. So from the level of the Jews are going to get blessings. The Jews are going to get blessings. Even after all of the accusations that he accused the Jews of, 
Ain't shum dimyon beinayu vein Yisrael. He can't compete with the Jews in God's eyes. He understood that. He can besmirch them. He can pull up all types of dirt on them and come to God and say, look at how your people are messing up. And God will even agree and say, you're right, and I have to deal with that. And then Haman will say, so get rid of them. And God's like, mm, no, can't do it. Can't do it. The system doesn't allow for it. The system doesn't allow for a world without Jews. They're doing my mitzvahs. I need to keep them. Okay, so you see that Haman is faced with a dilemma, with a seemingly irresolvable conundrum. That because on the levels within the system, there's no way Homan, who's Homan Rosha, who's wicked, is going to beat the Jews. Where we said that even those who are bereft of mitzvahs are still pretty full of mitzvahs. He can't compete with that. Therefore, he came up with a solution. Lottery. Randomness. Haman says like this, within the system, there's no argument that I can successfully make that will convince God that he can keep his system and not have the Jews. Won't, it won't happen. But if it's a coin toss, then I can circumvent that problem, that issue, and at least I have a chance, a random chance, says Haman, that it could go my way. Well, what he's saying is, in the system, there's no such thing as getting rid of the Jews. Above the system, where it's not dictated by logic, because logic dictates Hashem keeps the Jews around, we can go to a level where it's random, so to speak, where anything can happen. All bets are off. Well, that's an interesting question. He understood that there's something higher than the system. He understood that randomness was the way to access that. He understood that in the system there's no chance for his plot to succeed. And so he used a lottery to get above the system. The caven, that because on the level that's higher than the system, which we call lottery, the deeds of the lower realms have no significance. So it's no longer, well, let me see who's doing mitzvahs, who's putting on tefillin, who's keeping Shabbos. Oh, and you? You want to compete with that? You can't compete with that. But if you can go higher than the system, everything is equal there. Dark and light are all the same. You were heading there before and you were saying, on that level above the system, does Hashem not have preferences? So we're saying, it seems like on that level, you're right, it's the level that's beyond Hashem's preferences. In other words, within the system, there's light and dark and He prefers light. I told you what I want, I told you what I don't want. It's very clear. And then we explained why we like to circumvent that, or it's beneficial to us to circumvent that for the purposes of atonement, where Hashem can say, and you know what? I can still forgive you, even though the delineations of what I want and I don't want are very clear. Well, now we're explaining why Haman also was interested in that level, because he's saying, what you want, what you don't want, okay, but I can go to a level where you have no preference, God, and
And at least there's now a random possibility that I can get rid of your people. That's why Haman believed. They will go to the level of lottery, which is higher than the system. There is a possibility. It's not a certainty. A possibility that he can defeat the Jews. Now, we all know the end of the story, like Paul Harvey used to say. We know it didn't work. And obviously... There's an explanation why it didn't work. I don't want you to try to answer that. That I was going to answer it better than we can answer it. The Mimer will explain why it didn't work. But let's just leave off today pondering how wild it is that Haman, at least in theory, we know it didn't work. And why it didn't work is what we're going to explain later in the Mimer. But at least in theory, Haman had a really interesting, compelling idea. I can't compete with the Jews in the orderly system of the world because the Jews are intrinsically bound up with the whole purpose of the world. They're the mitzvah doers. I can't compete with that. But what if I go to a level of God where God is above that system, above his preferences, above his will? So, you know, there it's, it's random. Can I get rid of the Jews today? Maybe he'll say yes, if it's a coin flip. Brilliant concept. Now, why it didn't work, why it didn't work is when we understand that, then we will truly understand what our, what our relationship with Hashem is. But is there such a level that Haman was talking about? Is there such a level? There is such a level. That's devastating. It's okay. There's a level above Baal No, no, no. There's a level above Ratzin. There's a ba- Baal, Baal Haratzon is different than what Haman had created in his mind. No, Baal Haratzon is Hashem will take us back no matter what. He will bypass his own will. And he wants Because he can do anything because there's really nothing compelling him to want to do anything. No, he doesn't want to. Okay, so let's put it like this you're making certain assumptions about what that level is like, but let me just offer this. At least from Haman's perspective, there's the possibility that Hashem on that level is somewhat indifferent. And that that indifference and that indifference would work in Haman's favor. Now, we see how the indifference, quote-unquote indifference, works in our favor when Hashem says, I told you not to do that. 248 do's, 365 don'ts. I told you not to do it. And you want to, you want to come back to me? Mm, okay, why not? Right. So we see how the indifference, quote, I'm saying quote-unquote in scare quotes, indifference works in our favor. Obviously, it's not truly indifference. It's something different, but we don't know yet what it is. Okay. 